dumb. Jeff's dumb. It's dumb. Jeff is so dumb. All he does is dumb things. He's dumb. <sighs> that Marty McFly beer you're drinking. What was it called? The cat's pajamas? What are you drinking? Again? <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? A strawberry? Sparkle muffin. Oh, sparkle muffin. Yeah. Sparkle muffin. Great beer. Fantastic beer. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! Say now, yeet, yeet, yeet. Wow, yeet, 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 motherfucker. Wow, yeet, yeet, goddamn. This, everybody, this right here is called Asinine Radio. Are you trying to be like Macho Man Randy Savage? Is that what's going on here? Yeah, I thought I was. I thought I was a cool dude. Is that what you were doing for real? I was. <laughs> wow. And then I got really embarrassed. I actually started to like. You know that that feeling you get when like you instantly get embarrassed and you get really hot and start sweating. Yeah, and like you, you like try and taper off a little bit, and and like you feel yeah. like you're in the middle of a stage all by yourself. Everyone's looking at you. The lights are on. That's exactly what just happened to me. And um, brother, yeah, I was embarrassed. So. Uh, this is the Asinine Radio. This is a this is going to be a big one. This is a big episode. We did a lot of research on this one to bring a quality episode for all of you listeners out there. My name is Tyler. On the other end is Jeff. Hundreds of miles away is Jeff. Uh, go to iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Do all that fun stuff on social networks. But like I said before, we got a big one. We got a big one here because we're doing the Mars Volta and their album, The Bedlam. Bedlam whoa, whoa, in- whoa, 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 what? whoa. Again, what? are we doing the rankings first? Oh, yeah, we got to do the rankings first. Jeez Louise. Pepper oh, squeeze. man. I, dude, good thing you caught me. Thank you for catching me this time because you didn't catch me like the last three times. I know, but like this time I was getting into it too. Because I, I was, <laughs> I, I don't know if you're going to play Wax or Bedlam yet. And so I was getting into it. And then I remembered it the last time. Uh, I'm, I'm very glad you stopped me. Okay, anyway, yeah. Before we get into the into the actual album of the week, we're going to rank all of the, uh, the Mars Volta records from worst to best. Okay. Um, so they have six albums, official albums. Uh, we're not doing their live album. We're not doing their EP. We're only doing their full lengths. So Jeff has, we, we've always kind of been into the Mars. I've been especially into the Mars Volta a lot. Uh, Jeff's been like a casual listener over the years. He's had his moments where he's thoroughly obsessed, but not like me. So he's never heard several or a few of the albums. So I was, I'm interested to, to see wh- where you place some of these albums. Um, what, do, what do we got for number six? What do we got as the worst Mars Volta record? So I think at like the height of my, if you even want to call it an obsession, was probably right around 2000, in between Epitexture and then Bedlam, right? 
Mm-hmm. I think when Bedlam came out was when, like, I was done with the Mars Volt at that point. Okay. Now, mind you, I didn't, I didn't even get into them until after high school. So there was only like three or four years that I was really, really into them. And I was really into them for sure. But I tapered off hard. Like, it just stopped. <laughs> so, given that, I don't think I've ever even heard the Octahedron. Octahedron? Octahedron. Mm-hmm. And the Nocturnicate. I don't yes. think I've ever heard those until this week. Okay. So, so what do you got? <laughs> so, the only album that I didn't I don't even like. By the Mars Volta, I, I, it was it was hard for me to even get through this album. I didn't like it at all. Was the Octahedron? Okay, got it. Just I all just right. I I thought this album was boring. And then looking more into it, they they even refer to this as almost like an acoustic album for them. Yeah, it was just so fucking mellow, and it just really didn't go anywhere or do anything for me. All the songs blended together as if they were just one like hour long song, kind of broken up into various parts. But even the parts themselves weren't special like special and what i would expect from the mars volta and again this is i just didn't even enjoy this album at all okay that's fair enough i i i totally understand you on that one uh what what would you say is the the best track off of this this particular album there were parts to the i think it was the third song teflon that's Mm -hmm. that's only like four or five minutes there were parts of teflon that i liked teflon teflon i don't know that, that i liked but it wasn't even enough for me to even call it like a good song. Okay, that's fair enough. I, I totally get that. I my my little history with the band is that I was super into them on with the Laust and Francis. I got the I I remember a friend of mine downloaded or gave me a burnt copy of Francis the Mute months before it even came out, and it was only it was at that time it was only broken down into six different songs because Cassandra was all one thirty four minute song. Um, so like that that was when that was like one of my peaks with the Mars Volta and then I kind of tapered off. Never got into Empty Texture until right before Bedlam and Goliath when I got back into the Mars Volta and it's just been like this love affair with the band since. But um but yeah, my number my number 6, I think it is their worst record. It's not horrible. It's not a horrible record, but it's Octahedron. It's oh yeah. There're just some songs that are just like I just I don't get it. I mean, especially coming off of everything that they had done before, and I understand that they were trying to do like a more stripped down version of the band, but overall, like a good seventy percent of the album is is almost forgettable. But my favorite song, which I still listen to a lot to this day, is Desperate Graves. I've always I've always really liked that song. I like the melody a lot. It's catchy, but yeah, that's that's my my least favorite Mars Volta record, Octahedron. Oh, goody, goody, goody. Just, no, um, we're on we're on the same page so far. Just for the record, I mean, we don't do this like album ranking thing a lot, a lot, probably like half the time. But yeah. we have never once ever agreed on any kind of ranking with any <laughs> band we've ever done. Yeah. Like granted, there's a, there's a lot less albums here than there are with some of the other bands we do, but let's uh, hopefully we'll get there one day. I don't I don't think this will be the day where we agree on our ranking on our rankings. I really don't see it. Okay. All right. So All right. So what do you got for number five? Number five for me is gonna be Amputexture. Really? It's that low? Okay, we're already not gonna agree on this then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, clearly. Clearly yeah, that's this one this one is that low for me. This one seemed to just lean more into like that melodic structure of songs and everything flowed well, everything was great. It like this album reminded me a lot of de facto. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a bad album at all. Like this was a good. Everything they've done now from now on is good to 
fantastic to perfect. This was a great album. This was good. I liked it a lot. This was just like the worst of the best for me. Huh. Interesting, man. I would this that that's shocking to me. So my favorite one here is, is Day of the Baphomets. Mm-hmm. I think like the first couple minutes of that song are so chaotic and perfect and just what you want to hear from the Mars Volta. And then yeah. that like bass line rolls in, just pops and just it turns out entire song and just to something else at like the three minute mark, I think it is. Yeah. You're right. Damn good. Damn fine album and song for sure. Uh, number five for me is uh, Nocturnicate. I like this record. This is the one record they did with uh, D'Antoni Parks on drums. And that's one reason why this, this to me, this record sounds wildly different from everything that they had ever done because of that. Um, but it's more synth-based. The whole album is more synth-based. And Omar kind of stepped back from guitar and just let the drums and synth take over on this album. Um, it's still a great album. I, I like it a lot, but it's just comparing it to everything else. I just, I can't, I can't do it, but, um, it, it's solid record. And my favorite song has to be, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but Moloch Walker, Moloch, Moloch <laughs> Walker. That's a good song. Also, um, the Malkin Jewel is really good too, but no, it, it's, it's a very unique record. There's not an album I've ever heard that sounds like this one from any band. It's, it's very, very unique, but it's definitely not for everyone. It's hard to but. give like our favorite song too because these songs that like the way they're structured, there are so many different parts, there's so many different aspects to the song that make it great or bad or bring it up or bring it down. So when we mm-hmm. say like a good song, it, it could be like a seven minute song, but yeah, exactly. I think Mulch Walker you know. is I think it's like five and a half minutes long. But then Dave of the Baphomets is like almost eleven minutes long. Yeah. Oof. All right. So Sound we got for number four. Number it's four great. six five four three two. Yeah, number four. You don't number them? I really should no. I really should though. That's why you number them. So I num- do number, number four yeah. for me is is Delouse. What? <laughs> it's so low. Like you're just this is you're like a whole different person. I I thought Delouse was gonna be your number one, man. I thought for sure it, it was, it, it, it was for like the longest time. That that one two punch of inertiatic and uh, whatever the fucking other one was, like that that one two so punch that, is yeah the Saint Illuminari. That's yeah. just that's unbeatable, unbeatable, and there's so many things in the Laos that are just absolutely perfect. And it's like just to think that that's like the debut album from this type of band, and mm-hmm. like wow, like what? The and Fleet fuck? plays the Holy bass on shit. it. Shit, like what the fuck? Like how did you do this? It's not even fair. Mm-hmm. But dude, the other three albums that we'll talk about, I just they're better. They are better. But take Damn, the Veal Serpent text. Ooh, that's a solid notably, that's a banger. Dude, notably notably the instrumentals, like halfway through the song, like that song genre jumps so much, but it mm-hmm. never like dulls. It never gets slow. It never makes me lose interest. Like this is this is damn close to like almost a perfect album. This is so fucking good. But just the other three to me blew my mind just a little bit more. Okay. I mean, yeah, with I'll I'll get more into the last one I do, but um yeah number four for me uh i love this record to death i absolutely do and it sucks to put it this low but they're just they're better albums but number four for me is the bedlam and goliath it's i like i said i love the record but there are moments when there's just too many notes and you know i'm i mean i'm definitely going to get into it more once we get into the album but um i won't even say what my favorite song is off of this because we'll get into that 
on the main yeah, album yeah, portion. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's move on to number three. What do you got? Uh, number three for me is Bedlam. Okay. There Bedlam. You go. <laughs> Bedlam and Goliath for you. Uh, do you want to say anything about that or should we just wait? No, nah, we'll I'll, I'll, I'll save it. I'll save it. I'll save okay. it. Okay. We have a lot to talk about on that album. Um, what's number two for you? Or no, number three. I'm sorry. Yeah, number, number three for three me. For you? Uh, number three for me is uh, Delos and the Comatorium. Okay. It's, I mean, John Theodore's drumming is, oh my God, it's it's like almost otherworldly, his groove on this album. Um, and like what you were saying in, in Take the Veil, Serpent Text, that song, like the way that, that Theodore through like the, the like the middle part that you're talking about, like he's playing like a normal beat, but then he hits those toms and like everything, like he stops, like he stops the, the note like halfway. It's really weird. I can't even explain it. But he has this really awesome way of playing the drums and he's my favorite drummer of all time and he sounds great on this record. Uh, but my favorite song, it's a toss-up because it always goes back and forth, but it's either Aria Tarka or uh, Drunk Ship of Lanterns. I just John Theodore's drumming on both of those records are very different, but they um, they truly define his his skill and his songwriting and that this whole album is all about John Theodore for me. Like he steals the show on the record from everybody, even Flea from the Chili Peppers steals it all. But anyway, what's uh, what's number two for you? Number two for me, uh, I mean, there's only two albums left, right? That I haven't. I don't know if you noticed, but number two for me is is, is Nocturnicate. Okay. I was hoping this wasn't going to be your number one. No, dude this this album was just this album was like a a much better octahedron octahedron. How'd you say that? Mm-hmm. Octahedron. 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 This album was just like a like a much better octahedron. Very mellow, very eclectic, and just full of like feels, full of feels that we've never that we've never heard from the from the Mars Volta. We've heard the Mars Volta do that that eclectic, weird, spastic, all over the place genre jumping thing. And then mm-hmm. Amputa- or uh, Octahedron kind of showed us that that more mellow groove based, and then Nocturnicate just perfected that. Mm, yeah, I, I I'd say so. I I agree with you on that. And it's it's all because of the drummer D'Antoni, D'Antoni Parks. Man, he he is one of a kind. I mean, the what that guy can do on the kit is just it's weird. Like he's nicknamed like the Human Drum Machine because he doesn't sound real when he plays the drums and, and it shows on this record. It's, it's very unique and the, the time signatures are all fucking wonky and fucked up. And I don't know. It, it, he definitely gives this album. It's, it's unique, unique sound. I, like that's what I like the most about the Mars Volta too is, is like the drumming aspect to it. And so mm-hmm. Thomas Pridgen, the yeah. guy that does the bedlam and then compared to Nocturnicate, like those are two very different, sounding albums oh, and wildly different the drummers themselves switch them up i guess like i love i will get into it but i love i fucking love thomas pridgen on bedlam i fucking love it. i think he's so fantastic because he plays exactly to the sound that bedlam is trying to like give you mm-hmm. but i don't think he would do anything with nocturne i think you'd be i think he would make that album unlistenable garbage well, he played he played on octahedron he was the drummer on that record and even that, the, the that's jump. probably why I fucking I, that's like my worst album. I hate that album. <laughs> it's because he he like tamed down his drums. He tamed the, his style. Like his like like what he does on on Bedlam. Like because I, I I've been in this weird like drum roll funk for like a long time. Drum rolls and like hi hat hits 
ever since I bought mm-hmm. my drum set. Like those are like the two things I really listen for in drums, and that's that's what gets me going. That's what gets me up in the morning. You know what I mean? <laughs> I and do. So, I do know what you mean. And so yes. with Bedlam, he does a fantastic job on that. But Nocturnicate, I just, I whoever is the drummer on Nocturnicate, who was it again? Who'd you say? D'Antoni, D'Antoni Parks. Yeah, like that. Absolutely, just perfect. Absolutely perfect drumming. Yeah. And that's my second favorite album. Empty Vessels Make the Loudest Sound. That is my favorite song. Oh, that's a sick song. That whole song is actually really fucking good. Like the from front to back. And that's one of my top three Mars Volta songs now. Is it really? Dude, that song is so fucking good, man. Like I was I listened to that. That was the only album other than Bedlam that I listened to twice. That's that's so crazy. I mean, I thought it would you would like it just because it's so different, but I didn't think you'd like it this much at all. No way. But Good for you, man. I'm I'm glad you you're finally expanding your your taste in music. Yo, this fucking this year took fucking a while. Guy over here, yeah. <laughs> um, my number God. two though is uh, is Francis the Mute. I I think Francis is it is a perfect album. It is the perfect prog rock album. It it truly showcases every band member's talent, um, not just like with their instruments, but from a songwriting sense. What Omar did on this record what he wrote on this record I think is just absolutely flawless. Um, even the song, the widow, which I think is like their the band's worst song ever is still Ooh. a great pop song, like pop rock song. And just throwing just the fact that he, they threw the widow onto that album is, is a really ballsy move considering everything around it. But, um, but I mean, for the longest time, my favorite Mars Volta song was on Francis the mute. And that's uh Cygnus. Sickness, Vismus, Visman, Sickness. I think that just the, just how crazy and wild that song is, and just where it goes, I think is just what the fuck was Omar thinking when when he wrote that, and and John like in bringing up John Theodore again, like his playing on that is just absolutely flawless, flawless. But that's my number two. I cannot believe your fucking favorite Mars Volta album is Amputexture. Was it? Well, that's the only one that's left. Is it? Yeah. I don't know. I guess we can go with mine and then we can just get in. Wait. What? Oh, you didn't. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yours isn't Bedlam. No. My my number one. Yeah. My, my favorite Mars Volta album is Francis the Mute. I don't remember this album being this good. I remember mm-hmm. DeLoust always being good. Always the classic. And then I remember Amputecture. Um. Most notably, like whatever the big song, what like Viscera Eyes, or I think that was yeah, Viscera Eyes, yeah, Viscera Eyes, and then for sure, Bedlam and Goliath, the song Goliath, and then Wax Simulcara. But I don't remember Francis the Mute being this fucking good. Like, this album is this album is damn good. Like, the concept of it, the different sounds that they that they achieve in this, the various contributing musicians, just everything, all the heart and soul that went into this, making this album, just like this huge production, this Broadway play of an album. <laughs> like, this was absolutely, they blew me away. This was so fucking good. I didn't listen to this mm-hmm. one twice like I did Nocturnicate, because Nocturnicate, I was just so blown away by the different sound. But dude, Francis the Mute, that was, like, wow. That is a perfect album. It is. That is a but perfect it, album. To me, though, it's one of those albums where you have to, to, for me personally, I can only listen to this album front to back. Like, I can't just listen to Cygnus by itself or La Via by itself or anything like that. Like, I, it has to be listened to front to back. I can see that. I, I like, definitely it, can see that. It, you just can't do it. It's 
it can only be consumed in that fashion. That's, actually, that's just my own personal that, opinion on that's that. That's actually my favorite song too. Is La Via La Via Kiz. Around like the, around like the five minute mark, it goes into this weird like percussive salsa jazz thing, and it just fucking mm-hmm. slays. But like the song previously kind of alludes to it in its own song because it kind of stops and goes into like the iconic Mars Volta signature heavy drums and like the weird picking, and then the whole thing sung in Spanish. So that's pretty boss. Yeah, it is. And what's cool too, um, that that song La Via, it was on like Guitar Hero or Rock Band, one of those video games way back in like two thousand seven or eight or something so when it was released on that all of the uh the when you put the game like you can like rip the game onto a computer and get all of the isolated tracks from all the songs on the game so people were able to rip it and get all just just the drums for that just the guitar from that song and then a lot of like mars volta fans have like remixed the song with like the original drums and like done all these like cool remixes for that so it's kind of that's rad yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty damn cool. I remember that was a big thing on the, because the Mars Volta have this. Their fans set up this community back in like 2002 called the Comatorium. It, it's it's essentially just a giant message board, and I remember back when Rock Band came out, like in 2007 or eight or something. I remember there was just this thread that had like 500 pages, that just talked about you know just people like remixing Livia and stuff. It was fucking great. You know, that's weird because a lot of like links that I, when I was looking at the Mars Volta stuff, a lot of links led me to the Comatorium. Yeah. No, that, I mean, the Comatorium is fucking insane. How bizarre. Just like, like the random bands that have this ridiculously big cult following, right? Like Tool, Weezer has mm-hmm. a huge cult following. Mars Volta has these rabid fans. Yep. Like what the, f- like, like what, like what, I, I don't, I don't, I just don't understand like what makes people grab, what makes so many people gravitate to a certain band. It's just, how the, how it makes you feel, I guess. I don't know. That's I mean, my obsession with the band was absolutely insane. Back in, when I got back into the band prior to Bedlam, like I was just I mean, all I would just spend like hours on the comatorium, just talking to people or or whatever, you know, or just like browsing things. And then I like back in twenty ten, I think it was, uh, a couple fans on there decided to start their own website called the Marble Shrine, which is a lyric from Francis the Mute. And um and what they did was they they compiled they put every single show that the Mars Volta played on a website, and then they gathered on the website any live performance like video or audio and put it there. So you can actually go into the Marble Shrine, and you can go find any date you want, and almost every date has some sort of live recording of that show. That's crazy. Dating back to their very first show at Chain Reaction to their very last show. Their first show was Chain Reaction. Yeah, their first show was Chain Reaction. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's all on there. It's fucking They're crazy. They're all cramped man. up there in that little stage, a chain reaction. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, it was Omar, Cedric, John Theodore, uh, Ike Owens, uh, Eva, Eva Gardner on bass, and then uh, Jeremy Michael Ward. They were all on stage, yeah. That is it's unbelievable. That is so rad. Yeah, for sure. I hate that crazy. venue, but that is, that's an iconic Southern California, Orange County venue. Absolutely. Nuts. All right, what's your number one? Go ahead. My number it. one, Amputexture, man. This I this is like the perfect um the perfect the the only way I could truly explain this album is controlled chaos. It's somehow the most chaotic thing you could ever hear in music, but it's so like it just sounds so melodic at the same time. Like it, it it's so hard to explain this album and 
and the way and like reading on how it was recorded because Omar didn't want to play play guitar on it, but he but he wrote all the all the parts. But he had John Frusciante come and play all of the guitar playing except for the song Asilos Asilos Magdalena. Uh, Omar, that was the only song Omar played guitar on the acoustic guitar, and then but John Frusciante played the guitar on everything else on the record, just because he was just tired of playing guitar and he just wanted to produce the record and write it, and just and it, be, it being John Theodore's last recording with the band and oh my god, it's it's amazing, it's an I, it's it's a perfect fucking album and Day of the Baphomets, top three favorite yeah. song of all time. That's a good top one. three favorite song of all time for me. Of all time. Yeah, top two. I'm saying, yeah, top two. Dude, what the? F- only one song better. You said zero equals two was top five for you. Day of the Baphomets is top three for you. So we already have no, two. No, no, it's top of two. It's five. top two. It's top two. Which one? Day of the Baphomets. Yeah. So we already have two of your top five favorite songs of all time. Yeah. In one episode. Yes. That's. I nuts. can give you. I mean, my top five favorite songs are. Do, do you have them ready? Like, do you want to think I, about I it? Know do you want to no, I know. No, I know them right now. I already know them. Okay, go ahead. What's your number? What, what's your number five? Go. Let's go. Number backwards. five, Carousel by Blink One Eighty Two. Okay, and then number f- number four, Zero Equals Two by Omar and John. Number three, Totally Mortal by AFI. Number two, Day of the Baphomets by Mars Volta. Oh boy. And number one. Is got the life by corn. Oh my god, <laughs> dude, you're such a butt nugget. <laughs> I knew that last one would get you. I knew oh my it would get god, you. You're such a fucking asshole. That's <laughs> <laughs> true, man. I, I only speak the truth. Oh my god, dude. I can't even believe that you even said those five. It's true. I think what you meant to say was my top five favorite songs. Off the top of my head, are no, these, th- ones. these are my top five favorite songs. Okay. You know what song actually got pushed out of my top five what? recently was uh, "Norwegian Wood" by the Beatles. It got pushed. That out was always because of which what? one? It was like between AFI and Omar. Damn. Yeah, I've, I mean Norwegian Wood. I, mean, I don't. Even, I don't even know where to begin if I even made a top five list. <laughs> I put a lot of thought into this stupid yeah shit. clearly the fucking <laughs> five seconds it took you to come up with this no but i already i already i've i've does that have been that's been my top five for like years god you be like you were holding that thing back ready for years huh ready ready on the ready trigger for the pod right ready on for the, the trigger pod. dude hell yeah fucking great man finger on the trigger anyway fuck man let's just get into the to yeah. the our album of the week right yeah sound good okay we're doing the mars volta and the album the bedlam in goliath
the Mars Volta, formed in the year 2001 by Omar Rodriguez Lopez, Cedric Bixler Zavala, Ike Owens, Jeremy Michael Ward, Eva Gardner, and Blake Fleming. During their time as a band, they went through many lineup changes and put out six albums, two EPs, and one live album. But the album we're doing today is called The Bedlam in Goliath. It's the band's fourth album, and it was released released January 29th, 2008. It features Omar Rodriguez Lopez on guitars, Cedric Bixler Zavala on vocals, John Frusciante on guitar, Juan Alderete on bass, Ike Owens on keys, Thomas Pridgen on drums, Adrian Terrazas Gonzalez on woodwinds and percussion, Paul Inojos on guitars and sound manipulation, and Marcel Rodriguez Lopez on percussion. So that, that's a lot of names right there. There's a lot of names. A lot right going there. on. Um, so yeah, what are our first impressions on the Bedlam and Goliath? <sighs> you want to go first? You want to go first? No, you go first. <clears throat> go for it. Okay. So this this week has been the Mars Volta week for us, and it's again, wild. Again, I forgot to listen to the Omar thing that you told That's me fine. about. But um, yeah, as we as we stated previously, there was a period where I was very into the Mars Volta. I tapered off for almost two decades, right? Like it's almost been eh, like 15 yeah. years since I've, I've really listened to the Mars Volta. So this past week has been quite a journey for me. And since all of their albums are like five songs and an hour and a half long, <laughs> it was, it was interesting. It was fun. And so when you think that I like this song, Oh, but I don't like this song. Which one is this called? And then you look at it, it's the same fucking song. It was, <laughs> it started, it started to get kind of difficult. So doing the Bedlam and Goliath was nice because it's not just like five songs. I don't think any of the albums are five songs actually. The the Bedlam no. is is twelve songs at uh, an hour and fifteen. So that that was a little more manageable. But um, I don't remember any of these songs other than Wax and Goliath. I think that's and it. Is that because of me playing it, or I mean, Wax? I for, I, I for sure remember Goliath because. Like thinking back, I think, but that's like always been my favorite song from this album was Goliath. And I remember Wax just because that was a pretty popular song by them. And they won a Grammy. Yeah. For that song. I don't know who it was up against, but I mean, people must have been fucking scratching their heads like, what is this noise? <laughs> well, it was there when they won the award, it was the non televised one. And it was for a best hard rock performance. Yeah, I think hard it was in rock. 2008. That they won that had to have been two thousand eight, yeah. But yeah, I mean, anyway. so I, I I listened to this album first, and then I went back and listened to all their albums, and I for sure like I got back into the Mars Volta, and I will be listening to more Mars Volta, yeah. But not, I mean, not not nearly as much as probably you will be listening to them forever and always. No, you. But uh, I don't know, man. Like I, I like a lot of things about them, but I also dislike a lot of things about them. Okay, and. That is very apparent in this album. Like what I do not like about the Mars Volta is in this album. Is it let me guess. Is it Cedric's yes. high vocals? Yes. That's what it is. That's number knew one, it. baby. Number one. <laughs> I knew is his it. fucking voice. <laughs> oh, it makes me mad sometimes. It like irritates me sometimes. It really truly irritates me sometimes. His voice in wax, man, it's fucking high. It's so high. It's unbelievable. 
but he he kept it up for for quite a while when they played that song when Thomas was still in the band because after Thomas left they never played that song ever again because I don't think any of the I mean D'Antoni could probably pull it off but he's just not that kind of drummer but Dave, Dave Elitch could not pull that off there's no way maybe they don't anyway. like it I don't but, think it's that great of a song to be honest yeah, but it, considering it was a single, and you know they they never went back to it, like because even though Widow the Widow was a single, and they they ended up hating that song, they still went back to it like every once in a while in the the later years. But they never went back to Wax. But I Concer- that, especially considering it was a Grammy winner and all that stuff, they never did. I read somewhere that Goliath, like they almost wanted Goliath to be a single, but because yeah. it's so fucking long, there was just no way in hell that could be a single. And so they went, they, they, they settled on Wax Simulcara. And just like that kind of mindset, it's just, it's almost like counterproductive for the Mars Volta mindset to think that, like, okay, well, this is the song that we want to be a single, but because it's so long and so in depth and so weird and, and so intricate, let's just pick something for the fucking narbs, for the muggles. Well, no, that wasn't the reason. The reason was because they, they, they yeah, they did want Goliath as a single. But the um, the record label said no, not unless you cut it down to like three and a half minutes when it's an eight and a half minute song. And they actually tried to, they did try to cut it down to three and a half minutes, but it just didn't sound right. It didn't flow. So they decided not to release it as a, as a single. And that was the reason why. And because the record label required that they, they do release a single. Um, also, I mean, I, mean, I, I know sh- too much about this fucking band. But the band would have put out probably two to three albums a year if they wanted to. But because they were signed with Warner Brothers, I think it was Warner Brothers, they um they were only allowed to come out with an album every two years. So at least like at the minimum was every two years. And so they were under this contract, you know, that they had they had to play by certain rules because of the record label. And that's why Omar came out with so many solo albums, and and quite a few of them were supposed to be Mars Volta albums. But he just. You know, he's like, fuck it, I'll just, if it's not going to be heard, I'm just going to release it under my own name, and that's what he did. So it's not really the band, it's how they signed their contracts, which that's, I guess, yeah, in the end was their fault, but... That's also very telling of how it. shitty it is, or how much uh, how much these record labels take advantage of the artists, because there's so many bands that we know, like a data member off the top of my head, where they're under contract to release X amount of albums... If they don't have that amount of music, they'll release comps, they'll release live albums, mm-hmm. whatever it is, right? But on the other side of the coin, they have they can only release X amount of albums. So Mars Volta, who have too much material, still aren't allowed to do what they want to do. Yeah. So if you have too less material, you're, you're fucked. If you have too much material, you're fucked. You're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Yeah. And you know, actually, I I, I think I misspoke. I think I said I said every two years, but I think um whatever because. It is. It's, it was actually 18 months because I guess like in the music world, the way it was set up, like you're given 18 months to put out a record, promote it and tour it before you can do something else. Like that's how record contracts were made, especially, you know, up until probably recently. I don't know how it is now, but that's how it was. That was what was called an album cycle was 18 months. So they weren't, that's what it was. Yeah. They, they weren't allowed to release anything for eight every, until 18 months was up from the last release. Damn. Because otherwise you'd you'd oversaturate the market and you technically wouldn't the label wouldn't make as much money. See, like this, so. this is why people st- steal fucking music, man. Just <laughs> stick it to the labels and I don't yeah, know. buy fucked, merch, man. right? Like, but just buy merch. 
Mm-hmm. Is, is that yeah. is that all we can do here? Just buy merch? You could, yeah. And you know that that's one thing what I, that I've always liked about the Mars Volta too is that they're so connected with their fans that they they would make they even like to this day like without the drive-in, they um they constantly make like merch and posters and artwork and all kinds of stuff for like every show like that's specific to that particular date and they sell it like in limited call like 50 copies of it you know like they they still do things for the fans because they know the fans want it and they release everything on vinyl like in in special bundles and everything because honestly that's where they make the money and that's what the fans want so it's true and the shit sells out fucking fast everything that the mars volta ever put out sold out fucking almost instantly it was insane people are nuts but anyway it's true so I know you said that that you your least favorite part of this record is Cedric's high vocals. Um but what 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 are your favorite parts or what's your what's a banger for you? <clears throat> I think the first half of the album is stronger than the last half. I'm with you on that. Uh so given that I think Goliath is just, I mean that's a perfect song, an absolute banger. I absolutely love that even Cedric's vocals on that I think are perfect. Um, all the way up until probably, I think, Agades is probably the last song that I think is like a banger. Agades kind of like blends into that kind of okay territory. But then everything after that, I think is just okay. But you you didn't really like Ouroboros? I think... Or anything like that? I think that was okay. Mm. I feel like Ouroboros was like the last like true song on this record before the last two songs kind of brought it down, but still great songs, mind you, but it still brought it down. Yeah. I, I don't know, but I mean, they, they, this, this album is, is so complicated in itself. Like, I mean, I will, we'll get, I guess we can get to, into some of the backstory a little bit later, but should we play a part of a song? Should we get into something particular? Should we get into Goliath? Should we talk I, about wax? Dude, I don't even know. I have so many timestamps here and just like different, <laughs> I feel like like it's overwhelming. It is. Like I feel like I I'm trying to write a research paper, <laughs> and I have just shit scattered all over my desk. <laughs> like there's just fucking shit everywhere. And I don't know where to begin. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. So I guess well, let, I, I I guess we can start with wax because we've already played it. Yeah. And uh, I mean, okay, so like Wax Simulcara, what I what I read, a Simulcara is just, is just a, a, a replication, a, a simile, right? A facsimile of somebody. So a Wax Simulcara is a Wax representation of somebody, some person, something, yeah. right? Yeah. Is that absolutely. what's going on here? Yeah. And just kind of like the overall tone. Fuck it. Let's go to the backstory of this shit first. That way we can like get <laughs> okay. really into these song titles. Because some of these okay, song yeah. titles I feel like are really fucking cool in regards to kind of the backstory of this. So correct me if I'm ever being wrong here, but what I read was Omar took a trip to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. He bought a Ouija board at some little bodega. <laughs> like Will Sasso said, huh? little fucking bodega over here called Walmart. So he bought, a, he bought a Ouija board at some bodega in Jerusalem as a, as a gift for Cedric. And yeah. uh, as they're like, as their post concert ritual, when they're touring with the chili peppers, they would, uh, they would do the Ouija board. Yes. And what started off as just kind of like, you know, winding down for the night turned into something fucking weird. This is sounding like a serial podcast or something. 
it yeah, turned like it, it. it it turned into something strange and 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 the Ouija board at, at first was kind of lighthearted and introduced itself but then it started kind of getting more in depth and giving demands and then and then introducing itself as this as this being called Goliath which was actually mm-hmm. like a combination of of three different beings into one yeah. it from from what i've read too it was one was 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 a man and then the other was his wife and then the wife's mother like a weird but, love triangle right yeah that's what it, that's kind of what i got and then the man or who they deemed Goliath was taking over and speaking more and then demanding things from from the people using the board so that i mean that like this whole thing is weird i don't i don't think Ouija boards have any kind of significance to them specifically because of just what it is mm-hmm. however i'm not closed to the idea that any kind of you know piece of wood or anything can be supernatural right yeah, because you so, never know. You never know. It's true. You never know. Never know. And as much X Files and the Fringe that I watch, I do believe that some of this shit's fucking weird, man. And so there, it is possible that Omar did buy some fucking cursed gypsy curse, gypsy, <laughs> gypsy tears cursed Ouija board. I I don't know, man. I don't know. And and just like thinking like what happened, some of the weird some of the weird happenstances that have happened after he kind of bought that or brought that mm-hmm. Ouija board back to the house. Some of the things that I saw was Blake Fleming, their drummer left the band halfway through for like weird financial reasons. Yeah. And then Cedric wore some fucked up shoes and needed like surgery and had to like relearn how to walk. Yes. Audio tracks would randomly disappear from hard drives and nobody like in front of everybody's knew. eyes. Like nobody knew how that could possibly happen. Omar's yeah. house flooded and then had like random power outages. The OG mm-hmm. engineer had a nervous breakdown and told everybody, I'm not going to help you make this record. You're trying to do something very bad with this record. You're trying to make me crazy, and you're trying to make people crazy, and fucking left, and nobody knew what the fuck to do. Yes. So there are already Omar, a lot of Omar wanted to. He wanted to to end it. Like He, he wanted to, to start from scratch, but then he realized, you know, we've come too far. We might as well just go through it but then you also mentioned you know blake fleming who actually was the original drummer for the band uh he was subsequently fired prior to their first ep and then they hired john theodore and then john theodore well so so they they got i'm just adding some little little tidbits in here so he got the he got the ouija board gave it to cedric during the chili pepper store in 2006 john theodore was still in the band they had just released amputecture oh no they hadn't released amputecture yet they had already recorded it because John never played after the album release. He was fired before the album came out. So they they were fucking with the Ouija board. They weren't playing anything off Amputecture yet. And then they fire John. And then they get uh, Blake. They bring Blake Fleming back. And then, like you said, he leaves. He quits mid-tour. So to replace Blake, they get DeAnthony Parks. For the first time, they get DeAnthony Parks. He finishes out the tour, plays a bunch of shows. And then eventually he he can't play with the band anymore. So then they find Thomas Pridgen and the Thomas Pridgen plays on this record. So like the, just so many lineup changes within like a year, like that all happened within one year, the firing of John, the the hiring and firing of Blake, the hiring and then quitting of DeAnthony and then the, the hiring of Thomas Pridgen all within one year. It's fucking crazy. All, all in one position. It's pretty nuts. All because on of top of everything board. you already said. 
I mean, yeah, you never know. But then on top of everything else, you know, the nervous breakdown and all that stuff. Yes. It's interesting. It, it's very, very, very coincidental. And I don't know. But then, you know, they he Omar decided to add to the band and added three new members, like officially to the band. And then, I don't know, it's, it was an interesting time for the band. And then, um, but yeah, the, back back to the Ouija board. It It's weird. <laughs> Let's just say that. I mean, are you... And we talked about this earlier with one of our other friends, friend of the pod, being overly titillated by uh, coronavirus news. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I would, I was curious as to whether or not you're going to be a firm believer of the Ouija board and its magical powers. Are you, are you a believer of the Ouija board? Of like. Do you think I would be more? Do you think going I'd, to Toys R Us and buy uh, Toys R Us? Do you think going to Walmart? <laughs> <laughs> look at me showing my age. <laughs> do you think going to Walmart and buying a Ouija board and then bringing it home is going to summon demons? If you believe in, in demons, that, too. in that instance, no. But I mean, I'm more apprehensive to do a Ouija board that was, you know, possibly made 200 years ago or 100 years ago in like a very holy, sacred spot like jerusalem i would be more apprehensive to use it then than i would from like a hasbro made one from walmart you know what about what about what about a what about what about about a a hand-drawn ouija board for some gypsy tears thing dating like 150 years ago no i don't think i would i'd be too i'd be too afraid okay so it's not specifically like the ouija the o-u-i-j-i whatever the fuck you spell it yeah it's the meaning behind it's the meaning behind it the history behind the particular thing okay yeah because there are people out there that no matter what they look down and they see a printed copy fucking from my printer right here of a ouija board and they won't do it because that specifically though that arrangement of letters and and the yes and the no, that specific will summon demons. Or some it's always negative, right? Like why is it always negative? Yeah, it's true. But like so so you're not you're not in that camp. You're in the you're in the camp where the significance of that tangible object has has some type of impact. Yes. Okay. That's I, where I, I agree with you there. Like I like you wouldn't fuck around with something like that. Me, like if I, I went, f- I would fuck around with anything. I don't give like a if shit. Like if I if I went to if I went to Jerusalem or Israel, or whatever, and I I were to pick up some like holy object like that, bring it back, and have you start fucking with it, I would, would be. It. I w- not only that, but I would be down to go to like the the, the Bernardo Yorba Cemetery over by like my dad used to live. Yeah, I'd be down to hop that fence and fucking. I'd, I want that experience. Even <laughs> though sc- even though scary movies scare the shit out of me. <laughs> and just just last night, I was trying to watch a zombie movie, but there was a, a child involved, and I can't mm-hmm. do that. I can't do that kind of like uh, that. Oh my god, what do you call it? That kind of intensity. It was just like a guy and his child, like a like yeah. a newborn almost. I was like, this is too fucking intense. I turned it off. I watched I watched the Goldbergs. I watched a comedy. I couldn't do it. <laughs> it's too scary. It's too intense. I don't need that shit before I go to bed. I have nightmares. I don't fucking care. I don't care, but uh, but like the actual. I, I, watched, I watched, actually I watched Paral- Paranormal Activity two last night, and then I watched the first one at, like last week, and uh, yeah, it scared the hell out of me. The movies. first Paranormal Activity was one of the first movies in my entire life that, had it not been for a packed theater, I would have walked out. <laughs> I would have fucking walked out. That scared the shit out of me. The second one's pretty damn creepy too, man. I've only seen the first one once. 
Both of both scared me last night too. I was scared. But I'm not afraid of no ghosts. I'm like a Ghostbuster. I'm like fucking Dan Aykroyd. But let's get back into it, dude. The worst Ghostbuster. What? Dan Aykroyd's the worst Ghostbuster. Bro, you know you're just being silly. <laughs> like by Ghostbuster standards, for sure, the worst Ghostbuster was Ernie it. Hudson. <sighs> no. He joined late. He didn't give a fuck about Ghostbusting. He just wanted money. He didn't care about it. He's the worst Ghostbuster. No, Second worst Ghostbuster is Bill Murray. Ah, oh, you're dumb. He didn't care either. He was just trying to get laid by Sigourney Weaver. Come on, guy. Come on. The so only two the good end. Ghostbusters were Harold Ramis and fucking Dan Arkroyd. <sighs> anyway, let's get back to uh, to the Bedlam and Goliath. So, yeah, that, that, that's some backstory on... Uh, Oh, and, <clears throat> and, on what happened? What? And that Ouija board that he bought, they they didn't they name it? They named it Soothsayer, right? Yeah, they named it the Soothsayer, which is yeah. the second to last album on the on the on this the song, second last track, dude. Second to last track <laughs> on this album. I'm, I'm tiring these words up. I know what the hell's going on with you. Yeah, and and if you don't know what sooth, Soothsayer is, I'll tell you right now. A Soothsayer <laughs> is one who predicts future events based on personal beliefs. Instead of common reasoning, so there you go. That's what I think, but like I think even is. that, oh, dude, I love that so much because I think even that, that's like a subtle backhand to all the fucking knuckleheads that believe Ouija boards are real, right? Mm-hmm. Because a Ouija board itself is just—it's a stupid piece of fucking cardboard and plastic made by probably some underpaid child in like China. Yes, correct. Like it's just—it fucking yeah. means nothing. But because of your own personal beliefs. You hold that that object in in high regard for no other reason than just because your own petty beliefs. Yes, and I think naming that naming the Ouija board itself a soothsayer is, I think, a good introduction into where they were because they all probably went into it not believing. And then if I, I'm going to go along with 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 the thought that they did, the shit did happen. Weird stuff did happen, and they did believe. So naming it to begin with as a soothsayer, not believing, and then ending it with them completely believing. And Omar even broke the fucking thing in half, buried it at an undisclosed location, and then told the band never to talk about it again. I know. Crazy. Like I this this whole I don't even give I don't care if it's fake or not. This whole story is so fucking cool. It's so it's interesting. so interesting. Love oh, it, fucker. love it. It is. It truly, truly is. But I love. I that mean, name the Soothsayers. Oh, oh, it's so good. So juicy. <laughs> so juicy. Should we get into that song real quick, just to kind of yeah get through it? I mean, because we're already talking about it. We're already here. We're already here. So, I mean, yeah, Soothsayer, like Jeff was saying, second to last song on the record. A long-ass um, song. Ten-minute song. Like, yeah, it's like almost ten minutes. Uh, the beginning of the song I, is kind of is cool because it's, um, I think it's the first 20 or 25 seconds of the song. It's uh, just background noise. Weird. Uh, that Omar, Omar actually, he took a, like a recorder when he went to Jerusalem, and he took recordings of just background noise in the Jewish quarter, the Muslim quarter, and the Christian co- uh, quarter of the of Jerusalem, and then he put them all together, and that that's the beginning of that song. And I feel like th- what a cool and like interesting way to introduce the song and and kind of introduce the soothsayer and what it is. You know, it's just like, it's the it's the combination of all the religions in one, and yet they all hate each other. 
but they all kind of mean the same thing. They all kind of follow the same thing in a weird way. You know what I mean? Oh, dude, that's what. Like again, this whole desk full of papers, and like I don't know where to begin. But like this entire <laughs> album, just like religious context and kind of cultural significance of it, I think is absolutely perfect. Like you said, like this this Ouija board where everybody thinks the Ouija board is real and everybody thinks that religion is real. Everybody thinks their ideas are real, but this guy Goliath or this, this thing Goliath, like he's in fucking care in the context of this album. Yeah. Like even like Cedric's very, very briefly, I don't know, lyrics that make sense. Like there are certain, there, there are certain parts of this where like you, you, you realize that this Goliath guy, this Goliath person, this Goliath being is just here to like make mayhem. He's just here to fuck everybody. He doesn't care what religion you are, who you are. He's just here to fuck everybody. Yeah. And it's so weird. And it's like, I don't know, man, it's just so bizarre. And I think the lore in Bedlam is probably the best the Mars Volt has ever done, ever will do, ever could do. I think you might be right, but just but I think that's because of the context of it all, and what happened to them in their real life. But nobody even knows if this like Ouija board's real, right? Like, I couldn't find any pictures of it. I couldn't find anything about this Ouija board other than random Here's like it. tidbits and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, what was it's the long con, dude. This is the long con. <laughs> God, it's so good. From the last episode, the oh, that offspring, yeah. Whether or not they were <laughs> we self-aware, I still don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> the fucking long con. <laughs> but uh, no, this one. Fuck. What was I gonna say? Don't we're doing. We're doing. We're doing soothsayer, right? Soothsayer. Oh, I was gonna say like. So Cedric's lyrics, he's so cryptic, and he never really comes out and explains what he's talking about in songs. So like. I, I spent a lot of time reading through his lyrics, trying to figure out what he was trying to you talk can. about. But some of it, I I, I just couldn't just, do it. I couldn't figure it cannot. out. Um, is it but, cryptic or is it just Cedric being Cedric? And because the album finally matched his nonsensical lyrics, that they 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 leaned into the whole Ouija board cryptic thing. It might be that. It could be, it could be you know I mean when you think of a Ouija board sometimes you know when you ask it a questions you know it might say just like random words or random things like that and that's there are moments on this record where it kind of seems like that he's just like stringing words along that that kind of rhyme with another kind of sound cool together like in one phrase but don't really mean anything in the context of the song or album. See, I think that too. I I think that like much in the same vein. I don't know if you ever gone to a psychic, but we went to a. A palm reader one time in, in actually Palm Springs. And we paid like, I don't know, like 40 bucks for this stupid fucking shyster. But we went to a palm reader and she's like, oh yeah, dude. And then obviously I'm going in there with a super... She said, oh super, yeah, dude. Yeah, she said, oh yeah, dude. I'm going in there with a super <laughs> skeptic mind. And she was just she was just regurgitating like things, like buzzwords, right? Like, yeah. oh, this and this and this. And, and I think Renee was a little more into it than I was. And so... But I was just kind of feeding off of what Renee was doing. It was just it was this whole thing of just like buzzwords. And I yeah. think almost in the vein of, of Cedric's lyrics here, I think he just he just spitting out bud buzzwords. But he's bud been words. doing it budwords. He's been doing it like since day one, right? Since we we first heard him. Is that he was when doing we it first, without the drive-in? Yeah, is, is that when we first heard Cedric was at the drive-in? Is that the first time he's ever like sang? Was then? I mean, he was in like other bands in El Paso, but they never really. 
mean, they put out some things, but it wasn't anything. Okay. Specific. So yeah, like, like so the first know. time we we really know Cedric, he's been doing that since day one. It's just yeah. now in the context of this album, it flows with a theme. And so again, I don't, I don't, I don't think that it's intentional. I think that everything. I think this album, at worst, this album is an okay album, with a fantastic story to bring it up five points. <laughs> at best, this album is an unfucking believable tale of demonic possession and things like that. Yes, I'm with you on that one. Either or, it's a fantastic fucking story, and I I really enjoyed reading about it. I did too. I mean, I knew I knew a lot of it already, but actually reading into the lyrics and reading, you know, what inspired the the title or inspired the song itself, um, I thought that was really interesting because I didn't know about a lot of it. But I mean, I don't really want to play soothsayer unless you want to. I just wanted to kind of point out some of the things and what a soothsayer was. Do you want to play it or no? Not really. Okay, and then I think I mean conjugal burns. That's another one too. What that was that was a weird one for me. I don't like the 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 word it, or the phrase itself. Conjugal burns. I didn't really like understand. Like conjugal, I always think of like prison term, like visits with your wife yeah. or something. So and the song, I mean, the song's like five and a half or six minutes or something like that. I don't know. I, that song was whatever's. Well, to be honest, like conjugal burns, soothsayer, Ouroboros, Escapios, and then a little bit of a goddess. Those are all, they're not throwaway songs, but they're all just kind of whatevers to me. Yeah. But I, I want, I did want to bring up with Conjugal Burns, which I, I kind of, I was the way I was interpreting the lyrics because like conjugal means, you know, like being with like a partner, like just being close, not being close, but it's like having some sort of like partnership with somebody. That's kind of what conjugal is. And then conjugal, and then adding the word burns to it was interesting. So like reading through the lyrics, with the title in mind, like what I was kind of thinking, the song was like a back and forth lyrically between the user of the board and then Goliath. So like Goliath is, he's ready to to possess the user of the, the Ouija board. And, but the user wants to make sure that if he's the host, he doesn't want to be wasted. Like he wants to really fulfill what Goliath wants and he doesn't want to be a throwaway a throwaway host. So that's kind of what I get. So it's kind of like, it's almost this, this weird partnership that they both want to agree on before Goliath takes possession of the person. And I feel like that reading it and interpreting the lyrics that way, I think it, it makes for a great closer to end it all because yeah, the, that's the, weird. So like, cause if you read through the, through the, through the lyrics and the album and the theme of it, like there are songs where like, it's Goliath talking to the user of the Ouija board and then trying to like get into the, to the material world. And then the other, like other songs like Metatron or, um, uh, Scipios or something is more about like angels or about people that, that protect or heal other people. So I feel like those songs are, are fighting back Goliath or fighting back the evil. But then in the end they lose the battle and the person gets possessed because in the end he wants, the the power he wants the power of the of whatever to possess him Dude, and so that's kind of how i interpret you're it. almost like looking at this album as like a like an like an operatic i don't know story right where there's a beginning a middle and an end because the metatron briefly is that's a some angel that speaks for god yeah 
and then you go into Goliath later on, where we where we actually the, the song Goliath, and theoretically we learn who Goliath is and, and what he's about, and then later on the the, the song Cavalettes, Cavalettes, Cavalettes. I couldn't find the word Cavalette, but the word Cab, like C A B, Cabaletta, mm-hmm. that was like a like an Italian structure for like old areas, like an operas for like a two part thing. So like two different things, right? And Goliath, as we know, is a combination of this weird being and then two other parts to it. And so Cabaletta could be like that that final amalgamation of everybody coming together. And like you said, conjugal burns. I don't know, man. This is... It's it's interesting. And then like, okay, so like going going back to the first song too, uh, Amber and Cola. So the, it's the opening song, and the word the word Amber and Cola is it's it's a it means it's I found actually a couple of what's called a bata drum. Like you read that, right? Yeah. So it's it's a bata drum that's used in a non secular way. So, and and reading more into that. It kind of amber and cola is where is the beginning of the album where the person who's using the Ouija board is losing his his or her faith or let's just say his because it's easier. Uh, let's just say he's losing his faith, and because he's losing his faith, the the demon or Goliath is is finding it easier to get into the into the real world and and take over. So amber and cola is to me is the perfect way to set it all up because it's this person losing his faith. And then it's the struggle between both sides, and then in the end he loses it because he wants whatever Goliath has to offer, or, he, or what he thinks he has to offer. I I so agree. I think, I think I, it's a perfect setup. I think it is too. I think Aberincula. So I found like two different meanings of this. One was was like you said, um, was that it's it's the non-religious use of the the bata drum. In a bata drum, yeah. if like visually. It's like a bongo, but there's also a smaller bongo on the bottom of it, so you can yeah. kind of flip it upside down and hit. It's like an un, it's like an uneven hourglass. Yes, exactly. With with probably like some type of like deer skin or something on it. Yeah. But I also saw that it, it coming from like the Yoruba Yoruba land, the Yoruba nation, the Yoruba clan, whatever that is from, like that that portion of of africa i think this was it was nigeria, nigeria? It's a, where's nigeria the, the bot- my that's an africa or right? niger niger is it just it's just niger, N- niger. Sorry, yeah. that's yeah. in africa right that's it's like in africa central yeah. Af- northern africa something like that they were terrible this is this is this this is western education right here <laughs> <laughs> but it's well, in africa we know it's in africa it, it is it is on one of the seven continents on but one of know the it's eight in planets I just don't remember exactly in Africa where it is. But it but also continue. means an uninitiated person and that's that's coming from like that that uh that vernacular from the Yoruba. And mm-hmm. so the bata drum also was primarily used by the people of the Yoruba but also by practitioners of Santeria. And Santeria of course has like the Yoruba roots but like the Cuban influence. Yeah. Which we know Cedric and Omar has at least some type of uh, wisdom in in the Santerian. Well, Omar realm. is from Puerto Rico. He's Puerto Rican, so he grew up in all that that the religious beliefs of some people. So, but I agree, man. Like even both, like both of our uses of 
Aberinkula, like that is a perfect way to start the album and kind of the story. And the fact that the song fucking starts off hard and fast, right? The song fucking, but it boom, it's gone. It's going. And then it kind of immediately starts with like Omar or with Cedric yelling and everything's just like chaos. It's but like then, pure chaos. But it's, then it slows yeah. down to the typical like Cedric vocals and and the guitar effect like matches Cedric's like weird vocals and it's kind of strange and weird it's it's cryptic it's eerie should we play it should we just play it from the beginning for yeah a bit? you might as well play it from the beginning for yeah, we haven't played anything yeah, so here's a Aberincola opener There's a bit of a Aberincola by the Mars Volta. Kind of get the gist of it. I mean, it goes, it has its ups and downs throughout the rest of the song. But. Let's get back into the music of this because, like, we, like, the Mars <laughs> Volta has so much to dissect. It's just, it's unreal. This could be like a five-hour podcast on like four Dude, songs. Seriously, <laughs> you're you're right. There's just no way. There's no way you can you can get all of it in here. But so like this this song immediately made me love the drumming. Like the drumming here sounds almost like it's all over the place. Like it's just so sloppy and it's everything's like, what, like, what are you even doing? Are you trying to keep up? Are you trying to show off? I don't know. But it all just kind of like keeps itself together and gives you Barely. that feel of, of like a constant drum roll. Right. Yeah. And I that's love that. Is. Fucking love that dude. That's why I love this guy so much. Just cause I'm in that phase again, like from earlier, like I'm in that phase of, I want to hear lots of drum rolls and I want to hear lots of hi-hat usage. And this dude checks both of those boxes. Yeah. You know, it, it I your viewpoint on on Thomas Pridgen is is really interesting because I remember when the, this album leaked like 2 or 3 months before it came out. So so all the Volta fans, everybody on the Comatorium had it. And I remember a lot of the threads were just talking about how amazing cuz Thomas Pridgen was unknown prior to this there was only like because youtube was innocent it was in its infancy and i remember there was one vi- when when it was announced that pridgen was going to be the drummer there was this one video that surfaced of him playing like in his bedroom when he was like 18 or nine or like 19 years old and he was just fucking ripping it up and people were just like you know out of their minds thinking how great he was and then the album leaked and everybody was like oh my god his drumming's so great but then after like six months to a year people were, people were like dude thomas needs to like chill and just kind of like let the song roll and just not just kind of lay back and just let it happen you know just stop playing so many notes so i think it's like with him because he's so good 
and his chops are so good that people are just like, dude, this guy's like the greatest drummer of all time. But then you come to realize like he only has one style and that's it. Like he can't just groove. And it's really, it, it's just, and I think that's where you're at right now. Yes. Cause I, I saw, I saw, was, I was, I was the, I was that way. And I saw so many other people like that on, on the, com- on the coma that were doing, that reacting the same way. Is but then you start to realize that like, what people call it on the coma. Yeah. They call it on the coma. Yeah. He's such a cook. I know. But, but then, but then after, after like you kind of realize that you kind of go back to John Theodore and you're like, this is what made John Theodore so great was when he is, was because he knew where to, let a song breathe and just kind of let the song go while he's just in there playing the beat. You know, he knew when to stop and go, but Pridgen is just like in your fucking face, like does not stop. But I think that's, that's why I like, again, like the reason why I think Francis and the Nocturnicate and then my third favorite album is Bedlam. This one, like those three are so fucking different from each other. And Nocturnicate is so different than the way the drumming is in Bedlam. And I love, I love that. I think that that both drummers from each album. I think that that Pridgen drumming in this album drives this thing forward because this album is trying to tell a story, both musically, yeah. lyrically, in the lore. And I I think by him never kind of giving up on that that fucking hard snare hit the entire album, dude. Like he just never stops. I think that like drives the story forward. And much like movie makers, like when you see like a really good movie and 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 you see like people driving, mm-hmm. and and they have dialogue, like that's a good way to progress the the plot forward, right? Because you see, like there's important dialogue you don't want to miss, but then you see them driving and you look out the window and things are passing, like time is progressing, they are moving forward. I think that's what Thomas Pridgen does here is he makes this album progress forward. And I don't think that this album needs a lot of grooves. There's not a whole lot of like super grooves like there is in other albums, but mm. I don't think it needs it. I don't think it calls for it. I think I, I'm, I think Pritchett is, is, like, is 100 perfect. There's nobody that could do it better on this for this record. Boy. I'm with even you on your that. boy. What about your boy? No, I know. Like John, the- like if John Theater were to play on this record, it would sound completely different because he's not as spastic as Pridgen, but to make an album like this, you needed somebody like, you needed like one of the most spastic out of their mind drummer that you can get. Like the only person that could have possibly made it just as good would probably, probably have been Zach Hill. But that's, but even then, like who knows? I mean, that's all speculation, but I don't know. I, I, I get what you're saying, but like, then you, you'll, you'll start to realize like, you'll start to appreciate, especially John Theodore a lot more. I feel like that's just, that's just what happens. But anyway, let's get back to the to the to the other to another song or I, I mean I still do? got like fucking forty five notes in Aberin Kula, so uh let's see here. The bass line is heavy and kind of sounds like an altered salsa line. You get that Dang, a little dude, bit? You went real deep. Um, yeah, I can see that a little bit. And then at some points like 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 in the second solo, the bass gets real low, gets real burpy. Love it. Love it. And this is all in the first fucking track. I mean, the track's, you know, not like a two and a half minute song, but. Yeah, like, there's a lot happening. Like, this song is setting up everything that you will eventually hear in this entire album. There's multiple mm-hmm. solos. The second solo eventually leads into this cool, like, matchup of, like, worldly sounding instruments. I assume it's a sax playing. 
but yeah. it's it's doing some really good stuff, man. Like that that fucking that percussion. I is that uh, that's Adrian, right? Terrazas Gonzalez. Yeah, Adrian. He he plays all the woodwinds. So the sax, God, clarinet, that guy's flute. Fucking good. Sax not a woodwind, but that guy is really fucking good. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Saxophone. Sax? Saxophone's a woodwind. That's that's a horn, bro. No, you play it with a reed. It's a woodwind. A saxophone? A saxophone you play with a reed. Like I'm pretty you do sure a saxophone's like a horned instrument. No. It, like a brass no, instrument. No, it's not. It's not. It's a woodwind. You play it with a reed. That's why it's called a woodwind. Is it really woodwind. a woodwind? Yes. The that's why if you like, like gold. It doesn't matter. If you play it with a reed, like like saxophone and clarinet kind of go hand in hand. They they're kind of played the same way. Damn, dude, the Simpsons are just not they're not educating me enough. <laughs> Yeah, no, the saxophone is a woodwind, man. I you play blame, with a nasty ass fucking reed. It like gets all gross. I, I blame Matt wet. Gronig. Groning. Gronig. How do you say his last all name? All this time. Gronig? Gronig? I think so. Fuck that guy. All this all this time you thought that was that was a brass instrument. Dude, like for real. Brass I thought I thought the saxophone was legit just more buttons than a trombone. No, dude. No, Although no, I no, also no. didn't know anything about trombones until my kid played trombone in school, so <laughs> the fuck do I know? I don't know anything. Clearly, fuck. But yeah, that's but no. A- Adrian, yeah, Adrian's fucking amazing. You should hear some of his other stuff. Like he's done after the Volta, after Mars Volta. It's he has some really cool jazz stuff that he's done. Like kind of like avant garde jazz, but not as like wonky as some some of it you might hear. And he's worked with the. He was in a band with a couple of the guys from Animals as Leaders, and dude, he's, he's fucking great. So good, but um, yeah, I don't know. What, what, I just don't know where to go. Uh, okay, so let's let's go to Metatron because Metatron has a cool fucking name. I've always thought yeah, that name was cool, and then looking yeah. into that name, I realized that it's like, it's a well known name, kind of in the underground world. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it kind of flows in with the style of the song, of the album, of the theme, everything. So Metatron is supposedly an angel that acts as the voice of God. Yes. And you've probably actually seen Metatron in pop culture as Alan Rickman <laughs> portrayed him in Dogma, telling us that if we hear God's voice, it'd fucking kill us, right? Yes, our heads would explode. That is, like, I've seen Dogma multiple, like, at least five or six times. And I just, I've never even put that two and two together. But some people believe that Metatron is is a trick by the devil. It's 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 there to deceive us because there's really no mention of it anywhere in in, in the AAA games of 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 Bibles and things like that. <laughs> and so, you know, take that for what it is. Yeah. It's all the AAA silliness. being the Holy Bible, the Torah and the uh Oh Damn, God, I, I was trying having, to. I was legit trying. I'm to having think, a brain fart. I was legit trying to think of a, like a funny book to throw in there, but I literally don't read anything except for the <laughs> newspaper, so I couldn't think of a fucking book, dude. Even oh my high God. school, my mind went back to high school. What were you reading? To Kill a Mockingbird. That's all. Oh, I know the Quran. The Quran. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Is that the bad Bible that I can't even think of a single book? That's pretty bad, dude. That's pretty bad. Oh. <sighs> I do read. I just don't read books. Books are Clearly. so boring. That's why they start with a B. I was reading a book today, actually. What were you it's reading actually today? It's really good. It's really good. And when do you read a book? And does it make fun of you? Time. What? 
Doesn't Ryan make fun of you for reading books? No, I read books all the time. Where do you read books at? Uh, at home or in my car? Where, no, where? Where do you read? Like in your room? Yeah, in my room or there's in my no, car. There's no whatever. fucking way you read a book in that living room of yours. No, not in the living room, no. It's too fucking noisy and there's too much going on, no. That's probably why I don't of read books. Not. Is because there's always something going on. No, nah, I read I read I read all the time. I I, I only read the newspaper and my phone. Fucking knucklehead. Anyway, who cares? But Metatron. I, I also wanted to say, um Cedric did say in an interview that you know, after all the the, the bad shit that was happening with the Ouija board, he, he decided to name this song Metatron because he wanted to give some like positive forces into the actual record he wanted to to hopefully that would make things better you know he wanted something to fight back the evil that was goliath so he he named the song metatron and and lyrically kind of talks about you know more positive things than on the rest of the album but it's good it's interesting so even though so even though i think this song is is boss like boss nass mm-hmm. like cedric's vocals get on my nerves and this is why I remember st- I stopped listening to the Mars Volta. It's just he's he's so fucking he's so irritating. And the entire song, I find myself trying to ignore his vocals to get to like the really really rad instrumental stuff. So like for instance, at the four twenty mark ish, mm-hmm. it it kind of kicks right back into this really fast part. And they throw down some really cool funky stuff, and I love it. And oh, dude, I'm just I'm like I'm all over the place here because I eat a little bit. But like Juan and Thomas, I think do a really good job, kind of riffing and and, and jazzing off each other here. Okay, I like, like whether you said the four minute mark, like the four twenty minute mark. Oh, four twenty. Okay. Smoke blunt. So dumb. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll play a little bit of it. Here, here it is. There's a little bit of Metatron right there. Dude, this bass line is so fucking great. It's just it's fantastic. It's so thick in the mix. Oh, I love it. It's 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 oh, great. It's one of those things that it's it's always been there and you don't mm-hmm. notice it until they want you to notice it. But then once you notice it, you can't you can't unhear it. And it's like it's it's all you focus on. But then yeah. mixed in with with Pridgen, with Thomas Pridgen's drums, I think it's absolutely perfect. Yeah, like they do such a great job. I think this is like this song in particular. They do the, the best job feeding off each other. Yeah, I I think I might agree with you. This and I I for some reason I like his bass playing on wax a lot, just because it is a little bit stripped down. 
But nah, man, his his bass playing in Metatron's fucking solid too. Also, also, um, at around two forty, there's this really cool bass part that leads into like the solo and the slowdown part. I think it's phenomenal. Fuck, man. Might as well. Let's go for it. Here we go. You know, I, I do like Cedric's vocals a lot on this record. I think it's great. But I would love to hear this record as an instrumental. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm I, saying. I would. I mean, I, I, I like, I, like I said, I love Cedric, but you're like, it would you're be like, great to hear the other. You're like Kanye West when he interrupted Taylor Swift's like uh, acceptance speech, right? He's like, hey, I'm going to let you talk, but <laughs> Beyonce did it really good. You know what I mean? Like. Hey Cedric, I'm gonna let you sing, but Omar and everybody else did a fantastic job. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, that it's true. I mean, there's some there's some solid stuff on here, but I mean, Thomas is fucking busy, man. He does not stop. It does get a little much though. I so. I agree. Like this is almost Travis Barker esque to me. Where oh, this is way more than Travis Barker. But like because of the band that he's in, that he's in, is there? He's in. Is there a D on I N D? There is. They, they just added a D recently. They actually added the D recently. <laughs> in the Oxford so. Dictionary, they added a D. Yeah. yeah. They actually told me this. Yeah. They sent me an email. <laughs> who who sent you the email? Webster. Wait, the Oxford is that the same thing? Oxford Dictionary and Webster? Wait, is it? Miriam Webster? Miriam's a woman, isn't she? Is I don't know. Miriam is the last name, right? Like it's <laughs> I Miriam. Webster was Webster? the last name. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Regardless, terrible. they emailed me and they told me that they put a D Everybody at the end of it. In yeah. The, and yeah. so, so I think just because First of, of the band that he's in, I, I think that it works here. Because you're right. Like normally, this kind of shit would fucking irritate me. It would it would make me want to want to, in the same way as, as it pisses me off when Travis Barker goes goes all out on dumb pop punk songs. I would be so irritated. If this dude Pridgen ruined all these good fucking metal songs by adding way too many notes in here. But damn, dude, damn, if I'll if I will be damned. You will be damned. If he doesn't elevate this entire album to something more spectacular. Yeah, he does. But only on this album. Only on this album, man. Is this the only one he was on? No, he was on Octahedron. Okay, I hated that fucking album. But you know, the reason why I kind of have this, I mean, I I think, like I said, he's an amazing drummer and I, I like his contribution to the band, but watching him play older Volt, Mul- Mars Volta songs from, from the John Theodore era, he just butchered it. Like, cause John has that, that, that groove that just doesn't have as many notes, but then Pridgen would just, there's no silence with him. Like he constantly has to hit something. 
Yeah, so like, I see that. like, like when he was when like when because I I saw Mars Volta twice with Thomas Pridgen, and the first time I saw him, they played Cygnus, and they played it for like they they did like an extended jam with it, so they ended up being like twenty five minutes long, which was great. But um, but the parts that they weren't jamming on where it was just strictly the song, it was just like it was the song was almost unrecognizable because Thomas was just going off, like he just doesn't stop. And it, it just it becomes too much and it's too overwhelming. That's that's when tough. The song's not supposed to be played that way. That's tough because I I I like when new musicians play older songs differently, but make it their own. But you still need to kind of keep that original feeling again with the blink references. When Skiba sings Tom's songs, I I don't I don't hate the fact that he's singing somebody else's songs. But he needs to make it his own, but still keep the feeling of the original song, which is why I think, why I guess why we all think, Blink is completely failing, especially when Skiba is singing Tom's songs because he's not, he's either not keeping Tom's feelings of the song originally, yes. or he's making it too much his own and it sounds like shit. Yeah, you're right, man. Totally right. I fucking love this drummer, dude. I think he's so fucking rad. I think he's so cool. I know you do. Oh, he's so good. He's like my favorite part of this whole fucking album. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. So, so yeah, like we were saying, Metatron was supposed to be like the more positive aspect of this album and kind of fight back what was going on with Goliath. Um, Let's move on to something else. Do you, are we are we going track by track? What are we doing here? Let's do track by track until we get to Cavaletta's or I get us and I'm, then I'm done. <laughs> okay so i how do you pronounce is it iliana elena elena iliana i don't know i don't know but um this song this is my favorite song on the record I, well, I think, okay hold on let's 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 start by the track title itself Be, did you look up this track title itself i did, did so it said that, it says that it's a reference to eliana vasilevna miranov which was the birth name of actress Dame Helen Mirren. So it's, it's Helen Mirren's real name. <laughs> but he said that he named the song this after her real name because she is his favorite actress and the song is a little lighthearted and different from the subject matter. But then reading the lyrics, I just, I didn't understand it. I don't know. Okay. So I, I, I also saw something a little bit different. And I, I, uh, someone said this song is a reference Ileana, and then they expanded the name, is a reference to a, a character in a series of fantasy novels called The Wheel of Time. Uh-huh. And The Wheel of Time itself is, is like this cyclical... Like, when I say fantasy novel, I literally mean, like, dragons, fairies. Like, everything you would make fun of in a fantasy novel <laughs> is in this fucking fantasy novel series. Like it's so yeah. silly, okay. and uh, there's a character in there, and I think like the the, I mean there 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 are comparisons that could be drawn probably from anything, but that's what I read from this. I don't think that's that's probably right, but I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah, I I think this song is just the interpretation of it is just does does not make sense. Like even after reading it too, like I don't I don't understand it. Like the most I can get from it is that. You know, this Goliath lives in solitude in the dark and he's only there for when like you're you're at your lowest moment and you reach out and touch him and it's you kind of like 
accepting the darkness. That's kind of what I got from it. But even then, like there are parts in it that are just that contradict that. So I, I don't know. This this song is a, to me it's a mess lyrically. But I don't I, know if that was intentional or what. But. but like I also think it's a mess kind of musically too, because Thomas's usage, again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dive into it with the hi hats and the snare. It's like opposite of the groovy music that is kind of going on in the background. And he's just still trying to like pound that snare as hard as he fucking can, hit those hi-hats, but everyone else is just trying to groove. But because yeah. it's like that that opposite thing, it blends together really well. But damn, Cedric, dude, shut the fuck up again. <laughs> I think this is like one of the grooviest uh, songs on the record. Shut the fuck up, Cedric. Do you you don't agree with me on that? I I know I for sure think it's like the groove you're saying, and then even okay. So I have another timestamp here. The song like totally stops and changes at like the four fifteen mark, mm-hmm. and then eventually goes into this really 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 cool groovy like salsa type groove, and I I absolutely love this song. Okay, I'll start it from there. So here we go, Elena Eliana. Yeah, and then the song kind of like starts to fade out, but then it gets really chaotic. Like that end part made me like uncomfortable, kind of. It's yeah, it's weird. just like, it's it very, is. very weird. It just gets louder and louder and louder. <laughs> oh, it's that like high siren, whatever yeah. that thing is. Oh, God. But I want to get back to like the beginning with the groove. It's going to start it. What what is that in the beginning? I, I tried to look up like What do you mean? Why like voice? The, like why he does it like that or anything like like the I reason for it. What I get is from it's like him it's like Goliath speaking. Oh okay. That's what I that's what I interpret it as. Yeah. 
I just want to play this entire song. Oh man, it's great. Good stuff. Good, 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 good stuff by the Mars Volta. But yeah, great I mean, stuff. I mean, that that is my favorite song. But lyrically, I don't know what's going on. I, I just can't figure it out. So we already talked about wax. So want to move on from that? Yeah, I mean. Uh, no, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So I mean, then we got Goliath, man. The title, essentially, the title track. But uh, this song, I mean, it's like eight. It's almost nine minutes long, and it, this song was actually originally on an Omar um, solo record. I think the album was called like Sedice No Bisont No No Bisonte or something like that. I don't remember. But uh, but yeah, it was originally on that, but it was like half the time, and it was much slower. It was more like groove-based. It wasn't heavy. And in a way, I kind of like the original version better. No! Maybe a little no. bit better. No, no. Stop it. No, it was <laughs> not better. No. It's good, though. No. I can't deny it's not good. It was, it was, it was a good listen, and it was a good B-side to what would eventually become a fantastic song. And oh, and on the original version, Omar's brother Marcel, who's in the who's in the Mars Volta, played the drums on it. On the original version, by the way. So there you go. Anyway, sorry. Oh uh, yeah, Goliath. What, I mean, what do we got, man? Okay, so, to unpack. Okay, so let's just everybody knows. That's all. Like Porky Pig. Is that what Porky Pig? That's all, folks. Yeah, Porky Pig. Isn't that weird to think like Looney Tunes is such a? It's like a hundred years ago, huh? Yeah, it's just about. It's getting close to that. Like even our generation as children, we we watched Looney Tunes and thought, "Damn, those are old ass cartoons." Mm-hmm. But kids these days watch Looney Tunes. Actually, they didn't even watch Looney Tunes. No. Well, think about it. the first uh, Mickey Mouse cartoon was like nineteen fourteen or fifteen. It was over a hundred years ago. Like the Steamboat Willie shit. Yeah, Steamboat Willie. I think it was nineteen fifteen or fourteen. Wow, that, that could be unbelievable. Like pre nineteen twenty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Fuck, man. It's before the talkies. The talkie. What are the talkies? Like the 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 chips? The talkies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's when they all started eating them. You know. Oh, it's good. I hate talkies. Talkies are gross. Yeah, they're <laughs> nasty. Nasty. Goliath, uh, so let's, I mean, obviously everybody knows the story of David and Goliath. David, little boy, throws little down, boy. I, I think he like slingshots Goliath or some shit. Yeah. And that's kind of like the the archetypal of, of you know, the underdog defeating the big boy. Mm-hmm. But I think in like this... The, the, the best, co- like the most modern comparison of David versus Goliath, which everybody can relate to, is the Ewoks versus the Empire. Uh, I think a better thing would be when the 2004 <laughs> Red Sox were down three to zero in the ALCS to come back and beat the Goliath Yankees and move on to the World Series and then win the World Series. No, people probably Ewoks that Empire more. was better. Nah, Ewoks versus Empire War. But I but I think that um, I think this song is more or less like a literal interpretation of that struggle. Of that mm-hmm. actual like David and Goliath thing, this struggle is like within this being, this Goliath being that was summoned by the Ouija board. I I think is is either 
the band is David and, and the thing is obviously Goliath or the entire album itself, the Bedlam in Goliath is Goliath itself, the struggle within this being itself, either he's having this, this being is having second thoughts about what he's doing or the other two women that are inside of Goliath are trying to research themselves and, and come out. I don't know. But I think the yeah. song kind of reflects it. It does. It does. It's it's probably the loudest and heaviest song on the record, but it's also the most groove-based. And uh, The song's boss, I've, dude. The song, it, like, Cedric's vocals are perfect, and it's got over that, like, heavy-ass fucking Tom Morello riff. Dude, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's so boss, and the song's rad because it never really gives up, right? It never, no. like... It goes back and forth between being a, like a melodic song and just trying to be weird noise, but it always comes out like cohesive and titillating. And and it's it's a great build up because like you said, you have you have the like the basic song structure, like the first three and a half to four minutes is like the basic song structure and then it the breakdown starts. And the breakdown is like doom 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 doom. It's just like this this kind of cool rolling bass line with like the drums kinda of going, like hitting him hitting the toms and everything. And then it just builds, 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 builds. It gets super loud and it just fucking explodes and Cedric starts screaming. And then some of, to me, like some of like the most passionate vocals from him are after that part when he's just like, I never heard a man speak like this man before. Uh, like the the context of the lyrics and then him, the way he's singing it is just like very, uh, it's it's very emotional in a way. And it, man, it's it's killer, man. See, Absolutely there, killer. There are two things that the Mars Volta does best. There are two things that like what makes the Mars Volta be Mars Volta, and that's just being weird. It's just it's just mashing up different genres into each other, and just being like weird and and having lead guitars in the background over weird bass lines. Just being weird overall. Mm-hmm. And the other thing they do really well is is they keep us guessing, right? Like there's all these buildups, like you said, buildups. And then once those buildups achieve, you expect a drop. Uh, fucking to coin like a stupid techno term, <laughs> but you expect like a drop, or you expect something. And Mars Volta just says like, "Fuck it, no. You shouldn't expect anything. Here's what we're gonna give you." And that's and it's something kind of off the wall. Yes, and that's what Mars Volta does best. And both of those aspects are in, entirely throughout this whole song. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, I, I, I always bring up like when it comes to like prog rock and people always compare like the people always say like Tool is like the greatest prog rock band of all time. Like that band is just all build up and that's it. There's like, no relief. There's never any relief. There's never any action. Nothing happens. And, but with the Mars Volta, to me, I think they're they're up there with one of the best, if not the best prog rock bands of all time. Because they 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 are so wonky at times, but then they could still pull back and and be melodic, and then give you the buildups and and just kind of take you all over the place. And that's one of the reasons that that's one of the things that makes them so great. It makes them stand apart from bands like Tool, who, in my opinion, are fucking boring. Oh, they are, man. I just I can't. Tool are not very good. I'm sorry. They they're they're not a, they're not an exciting band and. I mean, the Mars Volta, like, when you hear the guys in interviews, like, they're pretty pretentious and they're kind of cocky, but they have something to back it up. Like, Tool, besides Danny Carey, especially Maynard, he, Maynard's just, like, he just comes off as a total tool. Like, Tool, he comes off as a tool. It's like a douchebag. 
and but then he has nothing to back it up with. You know, it's just I don't know. I mean, I yeah. agree. I I don't like Duel at all. Probably less mm-hmm. than you do. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how you are because you're not as open as I am. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> let's just play a little bit of Goliath just from the beginning because it's um, fuck man, it's a killer song, and then we'll 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 break it down and and get further into it. But here it is. There's there's a little bit of Goliath to to you know get you going. So. Get you going a little bit. But I do want to talk about more of the more of the song as as a as we go along. Um or should we just play like the breakdown and and the build up? I mean there again, there are so many parts of this song that I think are fantastic. And and what we just heard too, when that build up is going on the normal relief that you would think is going. Would you would you would you crack open there, but buddy? What is that? Yeah, it is, is a it, buddy. Is it really? Know. Yeah, it's a buddy. <laughs> Fucking guy. It's like the normal relief that you would think is actually what Pridgen does. Like he goes into this really heavy like drum roll thing, very snare heavy, but it's not that long. But later on in the song, like the five minute five fifty mark, that's when it kind of goes into like a real good groove. Yeah. And that's the type of thing that the Mars Volta does best. It just it, it keeps you it keeps you guessing. The first breakdown, the first drop that comes in is not the same as the second drop, the third drop, the fourth drop. And that's what they do. It's like this weird psychedelic like jazz fusion thing on top of Cedric just like screaming. Yeah, then, he does. And, he just wails. And then but then he just like talks. Right? He just mm-hmm. kind of like calms down and just talks. Like it's just there's it's all over the fucking place. It's so weird. It's so bizarre. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Oh, sorry, I was drinking. Took a sip. Sip it up, um, buddy. So I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna start it right here from the first breakdown and then kind of lead into that first what's called a refrain. Um, because fuck, man, who 
why the fuck not? It, the song's so good. So it builds up again, and then he just goes off, off again. But I wanted to, I wanted to play the the first build up into "Never Heard a Man Speak Like This Man, Man Before," and then it just goes into this wonky guitar solo. And then he starts the way Cedric starts, like it's almost like spoken word, like you were saying, but it's very like preachy sounding. And when you read where "I've Never Heard a Man Speak Like This Man Before" came from, it makes that part that much more effective and that much more meaningful. Did you kind of read about that? No. Okay, so the the word <sighs> the the phrase I've never heard a man speak like this man before was oh, I can't even remember his fucking name right now, but the guy who who started the who started the church that ended up being the Jonestown massacre that killed like 900 people. The mass suicide? Oh, that was uh the People's Jim Temple, Jones. right? The, yeah, the People's Temple, but Jim Jones, that's his name. Jim yeah, Jones. Jim Jones. That was his phrase, or somebody had said that. No, somebody had said that about Jim Jones, that they've never heard a man speak like this man before. Ooh. And 
the way the song is set up and in the context of, you know, Goliath, you know, him bringing that up. And then after, you know, after that's being said, then he starts speaking like how a preacher would speak or like a televangelist would speak, you know, not, not really singing, but more of a, like a yelling sort of spoken word. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it just, to me, it adds so much more to the context of this song and the overall theme of the album with Goliath, because you can kind of view Goliath as this like person that's seducing people into doing something that they shouldn't be doing. You know, like uh, just off semi off topic here in a conversation with, with another, another oh, no. friend of the pod I had oh, was, no. Yeah, it was just about like how I, I like I like in my old age I like calling a peep I like calling a people I like calling people posers for two yeah. reasons one it's a it's a funny word from back when we were in like middle school and for two it's a lighthearted way of telling and for two and for two it's a lighthearted way of telling somebody that they don't really believe in what they believe in right mm-hmm. when you when like when somebody calls you a poser it's, you know right. It's it's a nice way of saying like, hey, dude, you're you just joshing, you just joshing, you joshing, and so somebody who's who's pretty religious, I, I was like, you know, like, would you? It got deep because we were, we was drinking stuff like that, but I was like, dude, remember Jonestown? Like those people fucking believed, and then that dude had the balls. He was like, oh, those people are fucking stupid. I was like, bro. They died for their beliefs. They literally died for their beliefs. Would you die for your... Would you actually die? Would you fucking take your own life for your beliefs? Oh, of course I would. Sure, sure, sure. And it's just... People always say like that. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like when that time comes down, when the, when crunch time happens, like you don't fucking know. You don't know. You yeah, know what I mean? true. Like, dude, these people did it. They 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 achieved what they believed in. And so I, I like bring you back to the Mars Volta. I think to reference that that line, given given the context of what you said now, I think I think overall is is even is even better because like what if Goliath? Let you know, assuming this Goliath was real, assuming that Jonestown, assuming this is all real, like what if Goliath had a hand in that? Like what if Goliath is this fucking Ooh. weird? What if Goliath is this weird being? that manipulates people into doing horrible, horrible acts like the Crusades or the Inquisition, like all of these things. What if Goliath is that being, that all-powerful being that regulates either the population on Earth or what? If, I mean, we can get into fucking these crazy conspiracies, Tyler. I'm, you need to stop me. I'm going off on tangents. <laughs> I'm like five Bud Lights deep, dude. What do you want me to Bud do? Light. I don't know. Bud, Bud Light. I'm gonna keep going. I could just like this. This again. Remember, I texted you earlier the week. I was like, "This is a rabbit hole that you can never back out of." Yeah, no, you're right. You will dive down forever. (laughs) Fuck, man. All right, let's kind of skip over tourniquet, man. Um, let let's get into um. Just because it's like a this is this is like their ballad song of this album. It is, and it's it's just kind of like. I don't know. It, it's a good song, but I don't know. That's it's right. whatever. But Cavalettis, man, that's... Cavalettis. 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 Again, so I couldn't... I, I, I didn't find any... I, I I thought at first it would be like a Spanish word, Cavalettis, but I didn't find any Spanish word like that. I did find a Cavaletta, 
the K A C A B A. If I can't even spell it, <laughs> Cabaletta. <laughs> it's like a two part. It's a two part song structure, in in reminiscent of like the old areas from operatic times. I think opera operas still go on these days, don't they? I don't know. Yeah, they do. But um, but yeah, th- this song is this song is absolutely a fucking banger. There's there's so oh, many yeah. layers to this song that is, it's absolutely ridiculous. First of all, I love the intro. The intro is absolutely phenomenal. Again, I'm gonna go back multiple times. I'm on this drum roll kick, and this fulfills that perfectly. But this whole song kind of reminds me—not the whole song, most of the song—reminds me of like an at the drive-in type song. Yeah, it kind of has that that kind of weird that kind of structure, I guess you could say. But then it also has that that crazy groove that starts like a minute and a half in. That dun 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 dun. But it's not. That's like the, the staccato esque melody, like that whole thing starts to wear on you. It starts to like get into your head, right? But it doesn't. It puts you in like this weird trance, and it almost brings you to the point where it's annoying. But it backs off just in time to kind of let you regain your composure and get back into the song. Yeah, you're right. Well, you were talking about how like you couldn't find you you weren't able to find like a meaning behind the word. Yeah. So from what a little bit of what I found. Uh, una una cavaleta. Uh, it's said to be a woman who constantly tries to change her lover into some fantasy she has conjured. So that that's I don't know how true that is. I didn't like totally fact check it, but I mean that that might offer some sort of context to to the song, and uh, maybe like what because because remember like we were saying like Goliath is kind of the combination of the three so the the wife and the wife's mother so it might be like the wife thinking that the man is she like she kind of thinks of the man as something he isn't you know what okay. i mean i i don't know i, okay, I mean so I'm, this, I'm, I'm, this is another song that's kind of like i i couldn't i couldn't really figure it out okay so like we're if we're going to dive deeper into these song titles than we should Let's let's just mash them up, right? So on the one hand, we got a woman who tries to change somebody into something or not, and the other one where it's a it's a song that's kind of split up in two parts. Mm-hmm. I think both of those, like put together, is sort of like a man splitting up a woman kind of into two parts, right? Which is what Goliath was doing. Yeah, between the daughter and the mom was splitting up in two parts, and the songs kind of split up very, very rigidly into separate parts. I, I think it's more like three parts, but it is very rigidly split up into. I mean, I have time stamps here and everything, but it's definitely very split up into various songs. Yeah, this one is. It it's kind of. I think it's one of the more complicated songs on the record, um, just with the way it is structured. It's it's. It's kind of a mess, but it still kind of flows and tells like a weird story with the instruments. I wouldn't necessarily say with the with the lyrics, but is there any part of the song you want to play, like a certain timestamp, like when the groove kicks in, or yeah? So there's on? there's this guitar tone in the solo that starts at like the four ten ish mark, mm-hmm. and I I mean he uses this tone a lot, and I don't know if it's if it's for Shante or Omar. I assume that like the like the everybody back down now it's time for a guitar solo those parts I think I'll, I think I would assume those are for Shante but all of the solo leads 
all of the solos that kind of blend into the song, those are all Omar. Yeah, I think, so. think I think you're I think you're right on that one. Okay. So this one this one I think is is Omar. And I think the guitar tone in this I think is very solid. I think it's really cool. It sounds like he's he's using a wah pedal, but very, very conservatively. And it's at like the four ten ish okay. mark. Let's um let let's go. I'm already here, so here it is. Let's go. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It is the the wah is very very subtle. But I love that sound. I absolutely love that sound. I think it's solid. Of the the wah sound, or yeah, or this part, like just no, that before, wah part before, before that, before the, yeah. the actual lead solo part. It's so like uh, like. Like creamy sounding, if that makes sense. Like it, it's like buttery. Yeah. It has like it's, I can't describe it. It's so it smooth. Yeah, it's it's smooth for a band that prides itself on being sharp and and rough and, <laughs> and rugged. Yeah, but, I but agree it, absolutely. But like eventually, the song has this cool melody at like the six minute mark ish. Then it leads into this really fucking rad like horn. But now that I realize it's not a horn section, I guess it's like a. A woodwind. A woodwind. Yeah. A woodwind. 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 So I only know the, two uh, saxophone players. What? I, I only know two saxophone players. One is is here, and the other is Bill Clinton. So. Oh, I thought you were gonna say something else and be wrong. But anyway, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Kenny G, but then I was gonna say he didn't play sax. Um. All right. Here, here's a uh, here. Here's the part you're talking about. I love that part too, man. Adrian fucking rips it up on the sax. Dude, even even like, or maybe it's the clarinet. I don't know. That reminded me of like a Kesha song or something, or like a the Kesha song. What? I don't even know. Fuck it. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck know, you're dude. talking about. What are you talking about? Uh, do you want do you want to wrap this one up or what, what do you want to do? 
We're we're getting we're getting down to the nitty gritty here. Let me see if I got any like must must talk abouts here. Let me just let me go through. My oh, notes. actually, I do want to talk about one other song. Damn it! Definitely want to talk about one other song. Which one? Uh, Escapios. See, like I found nothing on that song name. What? I found nothing. I, I how googled did you find? It. I found nothing. What do you mean? Why? Well, how did I find? I found a watch? lot on this. Show you. I will show you my fingers typing in Escapios into Google and nothing came up except for Mars Volta shit. Okay, here we go. Okay, so okay. Escapios. I'm kind of reading, I'm, I'm pretty much going to read what, what it said online. So Escapios is named after the Greek medicine god Escapius. Asclepius. Uh, Asclepius. Asclepius. You, you read that too, right? Well, yeah, that's not Escapios. That's Asclepius. Asclepius. Yeah, but it's just another name for that. That's spelled completely different. But it's it's oh my god. Oh, here we go. Here we go. But I thought it was just interesting because this is another instance of of him of Cedric taking something positive in like the supernatural world and throwing this into the album and the theme of the album to fight back Goliath and I thought that was really interesting. That was the connection I, that I thought was cool and then I read more about this 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 Greek myth and ah, it was kind of it was cool it was really cool i only i only know that because asclepius is a greek god of medicine yeah that's what i said i don't know if he said medicine but i did but i don't think he did i don't think he said medicine but uh i don't i mean i it's it's close but it's not close enough for me to dig into it so I didn't really? care enough. Nah, well, okay, so so I so I, I'm I'm mainly pointing to to how Asclepius died. So so this is what it was what it says. Asclepius once start once started bringing back to life the dead people like there's a few names here I'm not gonna try to pronounce. Others say he brought the certain person back from the dead on Artemis's request and accepted gold for it. It is the only mention of Aclepius resurrecting the dead. In all other accounts, he is said to use the skill simply as a physician. However, Hades accused Aclepius of stealing his subjects and complained to his brother Zeus about it. According to the others, Zeus was afraid that Asclepius would teach the art of resurrection to other humans as well. So he killed Asclepius with his thunderbolt. This angered Apollo, who in turn killed Cyclops, or Cyclopes, who made the thunderbolts for Zeus. For this act, Zeus banished Apollo from Olympus and commanded him to serve Amatus, king of Thessaly, for a year. So it's just like it's it's just like this constant like killing of everybody that's like somewhat related to the killing of somebody else. Like it's absolute absolute fucking madness in the myth of it all. It's weird. I thought that, but I thought it was interesting. So basically, what you're saying is that the Greeks were idiots. Yes, that's okay. exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> it's it's funny too because Escapios reminded me of of playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. See, I didn't play that. So, oh, dude, that was a good one. You would like I it can. if you like stupid Greek mythology bullshit. It's interesting. Um, that's okay. So, other than the music on this album, I'm pretty much done with it. Uh, okay. Jeff Jordan, the guy who did the art, yeah, a couple. He did a uh, amputecture as well. A couple cool tidbits about him. Um, 
he actually loved working. I, I, I say actually, like I know, I know Jeff Jordan. Right? He Jeff Jordan actually. So Jeff Jordan, weren't you just talking to him like two days ago? Yeah, he's my brother because all Jeffs are related. Yeah. So Jeff Jordan in, a, in an interview I read from I don't know some fucking stupid online thing that probably was fake. He liked working with the Mars Volta mostly because he once asked, not he once asked, I'm using all these stupid fucking embellishing words that don't have anything to do with the story whatsoever. He asked supposedly. The longest story you've ever told. (laughs) That's gone literally nowhere. (laughs) It's like you're interrupting yourself, like you're getting mad at yourself. Because because I need to. (laughs) <laughs> I need to tell a better story, and this is garbage. This is absolutely <laughs> garbage. So Jeff Jordan once asked, yeah, I'm doing it again, once asked Omar what he wanted, and Omar told him, hey, dude, that's not my job to tell you what to do. And so, like, Jeff was smitten. He was he was over the moon that an actual client told Jeff to do his fucking job as an artist. And so that's why he released all these fan. He's done a lot of fucking really cool stuff, and I really yeah. like his artwork. And it's crazy because the artwork for Bedlam and Goliath, right? And yeah. so if if you look at it, I don't know if it means anything, but th- everybody's kind of dressed in the white robes. But the only thing that's not is that really tall creature. And so you almost think that maybe that create that that. I call it a creature because of what I'm going to say next. But, like, the person is, is really big, but you almost think that maybe it's just it's closer to the camera. But if you look at the shadow, it's towering over the little boy or girl, whatever the thing is. And so you know that's just a big fucking dude. It's like a big fucking creature, right? Yeah. And But then you look in the background, there's satellite dishes, there's, like, solar panels, like there's so much going on in this one little picture and it's so fucking cool. And this itself, right? So if you think of this town as like Goliath, as just a simple town, the simple community that's just kind of like adhering to the old ways of, of doing things. And the bedlam itself is the satellite dishes, is the solar panels. That's that's like the bedlam infiltrating its small town and creating this chaos that does not need to be there. Not, not, not. this suit is not black, not, <laughs> not the big creature <laughs> off center of this picture. You know what I'm saying right now? No, I, 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 I do understand. Do what you you're understand saying. what I'm saying? Or do you, are I do. You and, fucking, no, no, no. I, I honestly do. I'm I honestly do. But it's deep. But I, <laughs> fucking guy, dude. Also, <laughs> also, I, I read another interview with, with, I know this is freaking slope, sir, for sure. It's getting <laughs> slopey. <laughs> I, I read another interview with Jeff Jordan mm-hmm. where he said that Mars Volta was doing a New Year's Eve show. Yeah. In, in, uh, in the famous acoustic show. Is, is that what it was? Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure that's what you're talking about. So they were doing a, a New Year's Eve show and, um, Jeff had an art gallery, and Omar and Cedric had wandered into their art, the, the art gallery, hours prior to their show or whatever it was. And Jeff had said, "Hey, hey, Omar, probably not in these words. Hey, Omar, but hey, Omar, hey, like, Omar. I feel like I'm the visual arm of the Mars Volta." And Omar was like, "Yeah, you are, yeah, for sure." 
That's it. That's a man of few words, Omar. That's it, dude. He is though. How many words but, did he? How many words did he speak when you met Omar? When we, we met Omar, it's just like probably ten words. <clears throat> but you know, you if you've ever watched like some interviews with Omar, like he doesn't shut the fuck up, especially when he's speaking Spanish. Like he's a, like he doesn't. I've never heard a man speak like that man before. Oh my god! Watch him now. You know? Look at you. <sighs> I'm at but, the end of my rope here, dude. We're we're like fucking, no, that's fine. No, that's great. Damn, Dina. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't want. I. I mean, Jeff Jordan was one of the things I wanted to talk about too. So I'm glad we touched on that because I think his artwork is 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 pretty amazing. He does some really cool things, and he did he did the artwork for Epitecture as well. And and he based that. I, I like that artwork a lot because of what he based it off of, and he kind of reworked it like a like an old photograph from like the 40s or 50s and stuff. And it was it was really good. But I mean, he he does that. Like all of his like a lot of his artwork is based off of existing photographs. But then he adds weird, weird things to it. Like if I think there's actually an original photograph of the cover artwork for the Bedlam and Goliath as well. But then he just adds his like, his own funky thing to it. I think like his art is is similar to like the Mars Volta. Like it's based, like you said, it's based in reality, but it's so fucking far out there that to dissect it would would be yeah. like futile. Like it just makes no sense. You're right. <laughs> All right, so. What? <laughs> and then talking about this entire album, like I should have rated this higher, but I didn't. Well, I mean, you could change the rating, you know. I'm not changing shit. It's your life. I don't give a fuck. It's my life. This will never Freaky great, said man. I'll do it my way. That's not even the same song. <laughs> it's not at all. Oh, who is freaking? It's like we're going into like our own version of insanity yeah, right it. now. This is it. Oh my god. Um, so well, yeah, final thoughts on this. What's going on with you? I guess I like this album more than I thought I was going to. I don't know. Clearly, this is this has been a wild week, man. This has been a wild week, and for the better part of this listen, I listened to this album five times. Jesus Christ! Just because I. That's over five. That's almost. That's like six hours of Mars Volta on yeah, one album. So like, but one one listen, I specifically got pretty toasty, and listened to it just to see like if I heard anything different or whatever it was. Because I don't do any. I don't do any kind of like crazy drugs except for like Tylenol. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Oh, you're a wild boy. Just wild to see boy. If it was like any different or if my thoughts changed, and and I mean it was it was all it was pretty much the same. But um, I'm just—I feel like I'm just talking, scaring myself, talking now at this point. It's fine though. So, what what are your biggest bangers on this? I just deleted all the songs on my notes, but I—I I really feel like Goliath is probably like my favorite song on this album. Is it your favorite Mars Volta song? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so, but it might be. I don't know. I don't know, Tyler. That's fine. Um, so, what are you gonna rate it? That's the better question. Uh. This is a two point. Mm. Oh. Damn, that we talked about. This is, this is two point two. This is two point two. That that low? Yeah, it's two point two. Two point two five. That's it. Dang man, that's fucking low. Well, final thing for me. Great album. Have a lot of memories with it. Um. What, oh, also, I we we also didn't touch upon, but I'll bring it up real quick. Couple things. Um. 
they did make some like music videos. I put that in like quotes. No, oh, uh, it was just them pretty much just like fucking around and just having fun. The only and one then, I liked was the one where they're in the street and the car came at them. Okay, yeah, that whatever was one, one that one was. I, don't I forgot remember. which one is that. Escapios. Escapios. I don't remember, but anyway, but yeah, no, they they just they put together like like five music videos just of them just having fun like on a green screen on one of them. One of them, like, they had brought their friend in to do some graffiti with Thomas. And, like, it was just, them just seemed, like, so happy. But not and, um, not too much fun and not too happy. They never, like, looked like they were having a great time. They looked like they were having a good time, but not a great time. Well, I don't know. Maybe they never Maybe. have great times. I don't know. Maybe that is their great time face. I don't that know. That could be. Yeah, that could be. And then also, they, they actually decided to record a bunch of, or several cover songs. I think there was, like, five or six of them. Uh, ranging from like uh, Susan the Banshees and uh, I don't know, there's there's a bunch of cover songs that were released as B sides as well, and those some of those are pretty are actually really good, so go check those out. Um, we just we've been talking for a long time, but but yeah, get into that. Um, and then yeah, so I'm I'm gonna give this album my favorite song is Ileana and Goliath, amazing fucking perfect songs. I'm gonna have to give this one a two point eight. I can't Whoa. give it a cannot give it a perfect but uh That's pretty but damn close it is close but there's just some songs that just don't quite do it for me but this week really yeah. helped like reading reading more into the the theme and the all that stuff made it made it higher than it normally would have been but so yeah 2.8 for me uh and i think that's about it i mean do you have anything else to say about <clears throat> it? i don't damn how are you feeling? Are you feeling okay? I feel fine. I just got to really pee. Other than that, I feel good. I feel solid. All right. Well, that's it. That's all. Thank you Never all for getting this far into the... like this man before. <laughs> Thanks for getting this far into the, the podcast, Asinine Radio. Go to iTunes, uh, rate, review, and subscribe. Just follow us on iTunes or follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Thank you again for listening. Hope you had a good time. We had a great time. And uh, that's it. Yeah, we did. And that's it. That's all. Dumb. Just dumb. It's dumb. Jeff is so dumb. All he does is dumb things. He's dumb. (sighs) <sighs> that Marty McFly beer you're drinking. What was it called? The cat's pajamas? What are you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? A strawberry? Sparkle muffin. Oh, sparkle muffin. Yeah. Sparkle muffin. Great beer. Fantastic beer. That, that was, was like a precursor to this sound. Foxborough Hot Tubs, a lot of their music sounded like this. No, it did not. Yes, dude. it did. Go back the and... first fucking song they ever released. People had no idea that it was Green Day because it was too indie rock. It was too garage rock. No way this could be Green yeah, Day. Yeah, but the songs were like Billy were, Joe. I feel, what are but you I feel like the songs were better high? written and everything. Are you on ecstasy? The first song Foxborough Hot Tops ever released, the fucking thirty-five years ago, whatever <laughs> the hell that shit was. And uh, he has traumatic brain injury. A traumatic brain injury. Fuck, man, I cannot even. Yeah, pain. What's going on, dude? Ooh, man. But and it's. I mean, these guys are like way past their prime. Like, why would you want to spend that much money to go see Guns N' Roses? Like a half-assed version of Guns N' Roses. Yeah, it's true. Makes no sense. I just. I don't get it. I'm all about nostalgia too, man. I. I, I get it's it. True. You're living in the past every single day I, of your life. Nostalgia. Nostalgia is fun, 
but you know, just you have to draw a line somewhere. So, um, Incubus and Three Eleven nostalgia base, man. That's that's all we do on this pod. Um, they're going. They're, ready to clap? That was that. That was good, but. Every time we clap now with Sloan, I fake a clap early just to see if he'll follow my hands and not like your voice. And he totally did. I got him. I got him <laughs> on that one. So when you edit it, you'll hear like a faint clap in the background and then you'll hear my clap. I got him good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but we went to a palm reader and she's like, oh yeah, dude. And then obviously I'm going in there with a super. Oh yeah, dude. yeah, she said, oh yeah, dude. I'm going in there with a super <laughs> skeptic mind. And she was just, but like because of the band that he's in, that he's in. Is there, He's in. is there a D on the IND? There is. They, they just added a D recently. They actually added the D recently. <laughs> in the Oxford so. Dictionary, they added a D. Yeah. yeah they dude. actually told me this. Yeah. They sent me an email. <laughs> who, who sent you the email? Webster. Wait, the Oxford. Is that the same thing? Oxford Dictionary and Webster? Wait, Mir- is it? Miriam Webster? Miriam's a woman, isn't she? Is it? I don't know. Miriam is the last name, right? Like it's I Miriam Webster was Webster? the last name. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Regardless, terrible. they emailed me and they told me that they put a D Everybody at the end of it. Yeah. And a couple of cool tidbits about him. Um, he actually loved working. I, I, I say actually, like I know, I know Jeff Jordan. He Jeff Jordan actually. So Jeff Jordan, weren't you just talking to him like two days ago? Yeah, he's my brother because all Jeffs are related. Yeah. So Jeff Jordan, in, a, in an interview I read from, I don't know, some fucking stupid online thing that probably was fake, he liked working with the Mars Volta mostly because he once asked, not he once asked, I'm using all these stupid fucking embellishing words that don't have anything to do with the story whatsoever. He asked, supposedly. This is the longest story you've ever told <laughs> that's gone literally nowhere. <laughs> It's like you're interrupting yourself, like you're getting mad at yourself. Because, because I need to <laughs> I need to tell a better story and this is garbage. This is absolutely garbage. 